Hello, and good day to all of you out there. This is the Friendship News Hour, presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is a very special December 6th, 2022. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. We have a lot to get to. I'm very excited about this show, but I would be remiss if I did not wish your young king a happy birthday. Happy birthday to Walter Kenzie. Turns one years old today. Yes. One year, bro. I cannot believe it's been a year. Like, it's crazy to me that that happened a year ago. It went so fast. It's a beautiful thing. He was happy as a clam this morning waking up and nice. going to get him hopefully some cake here in the next couple hours. And Do He knows it's his day? I don't think so. But we were extra cheery this morning, so I think that made him extra cheery. Nice. But yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Sarah has like her birthing video, so we, we watched that again, which was cool to like see again and it's just crazy, bro. Like we were looking at some pictures of him when he was younger and stuff. And like the the growth, the change that has happened from you know the first days, first couple like month to now, it's like he looks so different and like you know all, all the new shit he does, obviously. And uh, it's been a great, great year to watch and to be a part of and grow as a human. But it's it's been great, I'm loving it. So Hell thank yeah, you. you're doing the thing, man. You're doing it. You're ra- you're raising a, a human. Yeah. And it's a and oh, it's yeah. a hell of a, it's a hell of a deal. So one year down, man. That's fucking awesome. Good for you guys. 17 more years and he's out of this bitch, man. Right. Free again. Maybe in like 14 <laughs> he can get a job. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> well, yeah, he seems happy. All the pictures that I that I saw of him and your family posting about his birthday today. And he's all smiling. He's got that big, giant, almost like comical smile, man. It's like his whole mouth smiles when he smiles. I don't know. He's, he's like, yeah, like eats his face yeah. up when he smiles, <laughs> man. Oh, well, happy birthday, Walter. Yeah. Happy birthday, son. Very cool. Uh, Very cool indeed. December 6th, not the 7th. Do you you know what what December 7th is? Why do I know that? that, That's not D-Day, is it? It's definitely not D-Day. That's June 6th. That's June 6th. Oh, yeah. Okay. No. What is is the 7th? December 7th, 1941. A day that will live in infamy. Pearl Harbor? Pearl Harbor Day. So I only only bring it up because uh, my grandfather was in Pearl Harbor. He was there. Wow. Oh, I never knew that. When it happened. Yeah, very crazy shit. And it also happens to be the day he died, some 45 years later. Oh, oh, okay, not at Pearl Harbor. Oh, okay. So is this your mom's dad? Yes, my maternal grandfather. I never met Mm. him. One of the biggest regrets of my life, and I don't know why it's a regret. I I have absolutely no control (laughs) over this. He died two years before I was uh, was born. Oh, okay. And this man was in Pearl Harbor in World War II in Korea. Mm-hmm. And I think even in Vietnam, but I don't think that might have been too too late for him. He's the whole, only reason why we're in San Diego. Oh. Um, and I never got to meet him, never got to talk with him, never got to. And, and, and to, 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 as far as I understand, he he wasn't very open about his experiences. Fuck, man, just I would have loved to know. Yeah, just pick their. Brain. Love to know what what was it like? Mm-hmm. Tell me, sir. What did it take? The balls on that man. The balls on that grandfather. I mean, just like, just think about it. Yeah. And, and I'm sure he did it with absolutely no concern for anything. Just just his family. And it wasn't even a family. He hadn't even met my grandmother at the time. So it was just love of country, service, and duty. Yeah. Ah, different time, know different breed it. of people. You know, like you don't have as many, at least, of those people now. But it's funny you say that. Like you'd love to have met him and talked to him. Like my grandpa was in World War II. He worked, he was in the Navy and he was basically like at the very bottom of the ship doing whatever he was doing. I kind of forget, but. Basically, if they got torpedoed, he'd, he'd be like the first, obviously, to go and flood immediately. But he was alive until my, until I was in high school. And I just never really, I don't know. I had an appreciation for history, but not like I do now. And I wish I could have, I could talk to him now and like pick his brain about so many different things. Like his, his dad, and I believe it was his dad, was like a Polish spy over in Poland for years and years and years. Wow. And just to talk, like, man, just to, I guess my, my advice would be if you have that kind of person in your life, pick their brain, man, because that generation saw some shit, man. They, they've been through so, so, so much. And, and like, obviously with wars, World War II, Vietnam, et cetera, but also like with the, the way they've seen technology change in the last 60, 70 years, like, ah, God, I wish I could pick his brain, man. You know, it, uh, I love this show sometimes because it just, there's these natural segues. I didn't plan this, um, <laughs> but, but I think it's interesting that we, that this conversation gets brought up because even though I don't have the opportunity to talk to my grandfather and to, as far as I know, there's no diary of his or any writings of his, uh, there are countless others who have documented this history. 
And um, it's available to us all. And we can go out there and we can read it. We can learn about it. We can put pieces of history together and we can formulate the story in our heads collectively of what happened. Uh, and, and we can do so the best way, in my opinion, is, is through personal accounts of who was there. Uh, and that leads me straight into it, Al. We'll just go right into it. Yeah. Uh, it leads me to Kanye West. Oh, oh Kanye West. Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago on this show, I called him essential. I call him the freest man in the world, and by all accounts, he is that. He is the freest man in the world. But he's doing something that I think we've seen happen time and time again before. I'm actually watching a show right now that deals with this very same um, uh, phenomenon. That is invoking religion, invoking a higher power, invoking something uh, that means something to you, and then having that be interpreted in your reality. For all of us to see, uh, I'm watching a show called Under the Banner of Heaven, and it's it's about uh, uh, LDS Mormons. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you. I, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but uh, I'm, I'm going to throw it out to you and see if you can get this. You're a smart man. You're a man of intelligence. Some say that. Some, very few, but they do. <laughs> How would you say that polygamy came to be in the LDS religion with among Mormons when polygamy was at its height? How do you think it came to be? My guess is that. John Smith was horny and he wanted to fuck more than one woman. And the best way he could do it as he was forming mm. his religion was to incorporate those tenants into it to make it okay. That's my guess. God, I knew I could count on you. I knew I could count. That's exactly how it went. Is down. it really? That is exactly yeah, that. how it went down. Yeah, absolutely. It was revealed <laughs> upon him, the prophet Joseph Smith, that he must fuck them all. Yeah, yep. And uh, so then it became a decree, right? And so he invoked that. The, the word of God then became reality, right? And so I think any good standing Christian knows that you can't just breathe the word Jesus and have it mean a good thing. Right. And that's what Kanye West was trying to do. He's trying to say that, you know, Jesus loves all and I'm going to love everybody, including Nazis. I like Nazis. That's what he said. And uh, I I get it. I get what he's trying to do. But it's important that this gets pushed back upon because it's not that there wasn't a redeeming quality amongst the general population of Nazi Germany at the time. It is that Nazism and what Hitler stood for at the time infected everybody Mm. and everybody was complicit. And it wasn't just one person or one thing or one isolated incident. It wasn't about the amount of Jews that were killed. It was that everybody stood, stood by and was complicit because of one reason or another. And that's why it's important. And that's why it's important not to say that, Oh well, they might they might have done this, but they invented the microphone that I use and make my okay. That it's it's irrelevant. That good deed is irrelevant. It's not irrelevant in 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 the course of history, right? Like it, it shouldn't be lost on history that some great invention was bestowed upon Nazi Germany. You know what else they invented? Mass murders by Zyklon B. They invented that as well. Okay, that was a novel concept until some German scientists decided that they wanted to make that happen. So I, I want to share something with with you, Al. Uh, this is a clip. It's a clip from a book called "The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich" by William L. Schreier. Um, and in this particular section of the book, it begins to start talking about the atrocities. Right up until this point. Uh, It's all been about the history of what has gone on in the Third Reich. And now we begin to start to talk about the atrocities. So here is a clip from the rise and fall of the Third Reich. Adequate, for example, for the job that was done at Kiev, the capital of the Ukraine, in just two days, September 29th and 30th, 1941, when, according to an official Einsatz report, 33,771 persons, mostly Jews, were executed. An eyewitness report by a German of how a comparatively minor mass execution was carried out in the Ukraine brought a hush of horror over the Nuremberg courtroom when it was read by the chief British prosecutor, Sir Hartley Shawcross. It was a sworn affidavit by Hermann Greber, the manager and engineer of a branch office in the Ukraine of a German construction firm. On October 5, 1942, he witnessed the Einsatz commandos, supported by Ukrainian militia, in action at the execution pits at Dubno in the Ukraine. It was a matter, he reported, of liquidating the town's 5,000 Jews. 
My foreman and I went directly to the pits. I heard rifle shots in quick succession from behind one of the earth mounds. The people who had got off the trucks, men, women, and children of all ages, had to undress upon the order of an SS man who carried a riding or dog whip. They had to put down their clothes in fixed places, sorted according to shoes, top clothing, and underclothing. I saw a heap of shoes of about 800 to 1,000 pairs, great piles of underlinen and clothing. Without screaming or weeping, these people undressed, stood around in family groups, kissed each other, said farewells, and waited for a sign from another SS man who stood near the pit, also with a whip in his hand. During the fifteen minutes that I stood near the pit, I heard no complaint or plea for mercy. An old woman with snow-white hair was holding a one-year-old child in her arms and singing to it and tickling it. The child was cooing with delight. The parents were looking on with tears in their eyes. The father was holding the hand of a boy about ten years old and speaking to him softly. The boy was fighting his tears. The father pointed to the sky, stroked his head, and seemed to explain something to him. At that moment, the Estes man at the pit shouted something to his comrade. The latter counted off about twenty persons and instructed them to go behind the earth mound. I well remember a girl, slim and with black hair, who, as she passed close to me, pointed to herself and said, Twenty-three years old. I walked around the mound and found myself confronted by a tremendous grave. People were closely wedged together and lying on top of each other so that only their heads were visible. Nearly all had blood running over their shoulders from their heads. Some of the people were still moving. Some were lifting their arms and turning their heads to show that they were still alive. The pit was already two-thirds full. I estimated that it contained about a thousand people. I looked for the man who did the shooting. He was an SS man who sat at the edge of the narrow end of the pit, his feet dangling into the pit. He had a Tommy gun on his knees and was smoking a cigarette. The people, completely naked, went down some steps and clambered over the heads of the people lying there to the place to which the SS man directed them. They lay down in front of the dead or wounded people. Some caressed those who were still alive and spoke to them in a low voice. Then I heard a series of shots. I looked into the pit and saw that the bodies were twitching, the heads lying already motionless on top of the bodies that lay beneath them. Blood was running from their necks. The next batch was approaching already. They went down into the pit, lined themselves up against the previous victims, and were shot. Jeez, man. It's crazy. Was it, were those the exact words of the what he said in Nuremberg? That was a testimony yeah. of yeah, a testimony of a of a, <clears throat> a manager at a, a construction outfit, Nazi construction outfit in in Kiev, Ukraine. The, the imagery it, it's just insane, man. To think of what these people did. You could pick you could pick any one of those descriptions out. I think the one thing that really got to me that was so vivid was the guy that was shooting. Yeah. And you could just picture a guy sitting up above a hole on the crest of it with his feet dangling and a cigarette and a Tommy gun like it's just another day at the office. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, parents are trying to explain to their kids what's happening and oh, dude, I, oh, I cannot even fucking imagine. Yeah, it's gut-wrenching, man. I, 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 I really hate that. It sucks. It sucks that we need these reminders, you know? It sucks that there's somebody so influential that has so much, that can wield so much power that decides to, you know, misstep and, and, and I, you know, who knows why you say something like that, you know, like, like who knows what positivity you could draw, but, but obviously this was never explained to him in the detail that we just listened to. It. And that, that wasn't even, that wasn't even the, 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 the concentration camp murders that, that was just running through a, a, a conquered territory and exterminating the people that you did not like. It's disheartening, man, because I have a lot of, I had, I mean, I don't, it, I'm conflicted because I had have a lot of respect for Kanye West, like the things I think he's done musically and, and even branching into the business world. Like I, I have a lot of respect for the things he's done. He's, he's made himself a titan in that world, or he was. And now I, I don't know if it's a mental health thing. I, I don't know what, if he's trying to prove a point. Like I, I really don't know what the fuck's going on, but this guy is like blowing all of that up. He's, he, he was such a loved person for so long, always controversial, but loved, you know? And, and he's, he's pushing even people closest to him away right now. Like Mike Dean, legendary producer, engineer, mm -hmm. worked with people from Scarface to Selena to Tupac to Kanye to Travis, like so many people. And, this guy doesn't even want to work with Kanye anymore after all this stuff. And, and like, there's all these businesses and all, all these things that he had set up and built for himself. And like, 
shown what like black excellence really is in America coming from nothing in Chicago. You know, like this dude was like the kid of a teacher and like built him like he he's was such a good example for so many people, man. And he, he just he's taking his platform and he's lighting it the, on fire. And it's it's like you can make like before I feel like, OK, like you were making some points about the history of black people. And like maybe you didn't say it the best, but like, OK, I can kind of see what you're at least you're talking about. Like, I disagree with you on some stuff, but you're making some points. And like, if you feel like that as a black man, like, who am I to say that you shouldn't? But I mean, to to go on to Alex Jones's podcast and Alex Jones is scoffing at you and nervous laughing because of the shit you're saying and, and you're on there glorifying Hitler, saying you love the Nazis. You could say like, hey, I'm grateful for things like the microphone and highways to which Hitler helped create or, you know, or oversaw the creating of. But it's like, that doesn't mean you need to say, I love Nazis. There's a lot of things I really like about Nazis. Oh, I really love the Hugo Boss Nazi uniforms. That man, you know, Hitler was a, a fashion designer. Had, like, you don't need to give this man roses. He's one of the, the most evil human beings that's ever lived. Uh, and, and then for the, the people that are saying, oh, you know, there's no way six million Jews died in the Holocaust. Um, dude, even if it was a million Jews, like, I, I don't understand why people get so caught up on that or to try to make it look like Jews are lying or trying to make it look worse than it was. Like, the story remains, this this man, Adolf yeah. Hitler, hated Jews. He, he started an entire world war in his effort to exterminate them and create an Aryan race. Like, he's an evil human being. Sure, there could be some nice things about him, but that, that you cannot go on a platform and, and glorify that guy, man. Like, that's that's so, that's so wrong. And, and to watch Kanye just keep digging this hole and digging this hole. I'm, I'm losing so much respect for him, dude. And it's, this is, this is that he's an idol to me. Like I honestly say that there's few people I would say that about. Yeah. He I, was, he was sure. an idol to him, to me. And, and I, he's lighting his legacy on fire right now. And I, I don't even know what he's trying to prove. It's, it's like he, <laughs> I saw a post that it was, I think Mike Dean shared it, but before when Kanye was talking about all this, it said like, Kanye built a, a empire for himself over the course of 20 some years and destroyed it in a week with Candace Owens talking points and not that Candace, Candace <laughs> Owens is talking what about all the shit now he's saying about Hitler, but it, it happened. Like all this kind of started to happen right after he wore that white lives matter shirt with Candace Owens for her documentary or whatever the hell that was. And since then we've just seen this guy spiral and I don't know if he's really, really going through it, losing his family and this divorce and everything if there's some mental health issues or if at this point he's just trying to prove a point, but I'm worried for the man, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, I think you said it really well there. I don't think we like to pass judgment, but I think we represent a long leash in that we, we, we despise the, the cancellation of people for saying something out of line or misstepping or, or, or offending somebody, right? Like, like there's, there's a lot of things that are, that are bigger than that. And we believe in free speech, you know, we're big proponents of sure. that, you know, and, that, and that's part of that leash. And, and, and there comes a point, and this is where I think, this is where I think, you know, it, it's a really good example of when you need to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, you, sir, are able to say what you want to say, but you also need to understand your reach and your influence. And if you're saying something like this, there's going to be a lot of really soft-headed young people who look up to you who are going to question whether or not that they should be believing everyone else is saying that mm -hmm. these people were bad, right? And they're not going to go and and look for confirmation of the things that they already thought to be true. They're going to go look for separate ideas of confirmation of what you're saying. Is it true? Have we, have we been lied to about Nazis? They've lied to us about everything else. Why wouldn't they mm -hmm. lie to us about Nazis? I wonder what else I can find out about this, right? They're not going to go look for the rise and fall of the Third Reich. I mean, I don't, I don't think, maybe that's just my cynical brain. They're not going to go look for source material. They're going to go look for, they're going to go uncover rocks, right? Which is a good thing to do. It's not a good thing to do when you're defending Nazis. <laughs> And for reasons that we just explained here, okay, it's, it's a, it's, it's bigger than even in this book. And this was written, I think this came out sometime in the late sixties, early seventies. They put the number at like 4 million and they said, that's almost assuredly too big. Mm. Okay, great. Well, great. Fine. Perfect. Like if that's, if that's what is factually true, then that's fine. But, but we're getting stuck on these minute details and instead of focusing on what really is the problem here. And the problem by and large is that an entire population of people was complicit in factory style murder of a people of another people 
for reasons that really cannot be justified. And that's it. Like full stop. Boom. Done. Sorry. Kanye, that's it. And, and yeah, man, it sucks. It, it really does suck because, you know, like you said, he, he, he's an idol to a lot of people, somebody that a lot of people look up to and has done really good things and has the, and still does have the ability to be positive. Really does. I mean, uh, if this is the end of Kanye West, then it's going to be a sad story. I don't think his story is over, but uh, certainly a very dark time in this guy's saga. I, I just ho- I hope he gets some spiritual guidance, man. I hope. But I, dude, the spiritualness, I feel like is like what's leading him astray right now. Cause see, that's what he's pointing to, like with God and love everybody and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's not spiritualness. Yeah. That's not spiritualness. That's a justification for your shitty behavior. You're invoking Jesus oh, yeah. Christ to, to ruffle feathers and you're saying, well, I, you know, Jesus loved everybody. It's the same. It's like the same thing as these people saying that Jesus Christ would be the grand marshal at a gay pride parade. Like you can't invoke Jesus just to make your point. Like that, that doesn't exist. So when you say he needs to find spirituality, like what, what's the differentiating factor there that would, you know, if, if like thinking of Jesus and loving everybody and of the tenets of religion, if that is kind of what he's using as his avenue to say all this shit somehow, like a backhanded religious compliment or whatever you want to call it like what do you mean by spirituality he needs to find like how how will that help him yeah so i I think the the beginning of a spiritual journey is recognizing that you lack humility and that would be surrendering yourself to somebody or something that is greater than who you are and allowing yourself to learn about whatever it is that you're surrendering yourself onto right he needs to go to some monks he needs to go to eastern europe he needs to go somewhere and spend time with people and put all of his ego away and say okay i don't know about this let me learn Mm -hmm. and get out of his own way and allow people to teach him something it doesn't need to be like i'm not saying he you know i i can't prescribe anything to Kanye west or to alex kenzie or to anybody i i i can only say that what's apparent here is that the ego has taken over a hundred percent to where he is invoking Jesus Christ to justify his own shitty behavior. And that is a recipe for destruction. But, but if there's anything we know about Kanye West is that he's listens to no one, but, but, but Kanye and and he answers to nobody, but Kanye. Um, And he can invoke Jesus Christ all he wants, but this, this doesn't seem to be a man of prayer. I'll put it that way. If this was, if this was somebody who was about his, his business as a Christian man and was really doing what a Christian man does and buckling down the, the, what, what is more, what is more Jesus like than, than, than humility, than humbleness. True. Right. Yeah. He's, he's, what is he sacrificing himself for the, for the, for the right to say that he loves Nazis? I mean, it's like, nah, yeah. no, no, there's, there's obviously something off and, and I don't know who can talk to him. I don't know who can say something to him. Uh, but it will take that, that, that first step of humility. Of, of putting down his putting down his ego and, and walking the other direction. I'm just concerned with some of the things he's saying and the people he's pissing off. You know him and I mean someone else. I have a great deal of respect for too, Elon Musk, with all the shit that's going on now. I'm just it scares me to think that they could easily be taken out. I'm sure they have security and all this other stuff, but like if people want to eliminate people, they they find a way to do it. We've seen four of the richest crypto billionaires in the world die in the last week and a half. You know, so it's it's just. Yeah, I've seen. I've seen. Once that. you start pissing off the wrong people, man, like you never know what could happen. So I, it's just, I would hate to see that happen to Kanye or Elon. You know, for different reasons. You know, I think what Elon's doing is great. Yeah. I think like the risk he's putting himself into is for a very good cause. Like he's trying to right a huge wrong right now and 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 shine a light on something that was is egregious. Honestly, like it's it's in my honest opinion an impeachable offense. So I, I think he's doing great, but. Kanye is not, but they still both could end up the same way, you know? That's a perfect example of the type of humility that you need in order to create positive change. Mm. Elon Musk buys Twitter. He strips Twitter bare. He takes all of the things that he thinks that, 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 that Twitter has been doing terribly. He reveals these on Twitter and then has a conversation about it on Twitter. I mean, it's just, th- this, this to me is like the, the, best perfect example of what it is to lead a, a, a Christ-like life is where you put truth and, and, and the value of truth above all, and you put your faith in the fact that you can't control what other people's reactions are going to be, but you can control 
to the best of your ability, how transparent and how honest you are with yourself and the people that you are claiming to help. And I think it's, I agree with you. I think it's incredible. And I just love that he, I love that it's all in one, right? Like he's, he's mocking, he's mocking Twitter. He's not mocking Twitter. He's making it bare. He's stripping it down naked. Yeah. He's embarrassing it. What do you, what are you when you're, when you're naked? You're embarrassed, right? He's embarrassing Twitter, the company that he bought in a hope to make it better. So that, that's my question that I was wondering with all this, because what he's releasing has got to break some kind of federal crimes, right? Like. There's no way that government... No, why? It can't be legal for government to manipulate a platform in, you know, in their favor. There's, that's got to break some law, right? Like, I, but my question, I guess, is like, with Elon doing all this, could he destroy Twitter completely to the point where they could get sued or go bank, like, whatever that is that could get them shut down? Like, could he basically, have, I don't not waste his money because he's shining a light on something that's Maybe. very important, but... Could he end Twitter by doing this? I mean, he might, right? So, so the EU is ask, is is threatening to deplatform Twitter if they don't adhere to the EU's uh, policies on uh, misinformation and disinformation. So, um, I mean, it's possible that he rubs people the wrong way. I mean, it, it sounded like there was a little riff there with Apple, and and he went and met with Tim Cook, and 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 that seems to be gone. In in the context of the Twitter files and what what was revealed over the weekend, I don't know that it has to do with. So there's no evidence that the government was saying you need to do this, and Twitter was saying yes, Mr. Government, we will do this on your behalf. It was much more like um, Twitter opening the avenues of communication to the government, working quote hand in hand with them to fight disinformation, misinformation, what have you. And then the people running Twitter using their own political biases and influences to manipulate or maneuver their the way that they censored material and did so with the slant and with the bias. From what I read, though, top DNC officials were communicating with Twitter directly saying, like, here are people we would like you to ban. This is this is disinformation as we see it. We Can you go after these people? And Twitter was saying, like, it's taken care of. Don't worry. Like they have emails showing this. Okay, so first of all, it wasn't exclusive to the DNC, but by all accounts, R Republicans had the uh, the ability to do the same thing, right? The avenues were open. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't like it was a, a one way uh, uh, street here. It, it it was open to everybody. But the input of what people thought might be disinformation or thought needed to be censored, right? Those those requests could come in. That was the input. The output is what got censored, and I think it's apparent to everybody that what got censored was heavily in in favor of of a left wing bias. Mm -hmm. the The clearest example and what the Twitter files exposed was uh, the the Hunter Biden laptop story. And what's what's really egregious about this story is. One, they banned the story from being circulated on Twitter, completely banned it from being circulated using justification like, quote, the lessons of 2016, right? Well, we can't repeat 2016, so we must ban this story without really looking into it. It was an immediate decision. So Kaylee McEnany, the, the then um, uh, White House press secretary, shares the story and her account gets uh, uh, suspended until she deletes that story. And so it's like a really heavy hand and you're using justification of misinformation, disinformation, election integrity, this, that, and the other without any thought to whether or not this story could be true. That obviously has a bias to it. And that's what, what these, these Twitter files uh, had shown. Also, uh, I think the most egregious actor in this whole saga of, of, of the Twitter files is, is Yoel Roth. Um, and he was like the censorship czar. He was the one that made a lot of the big decisions there. And he was meeting on a, a very regular cadence with the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, Director of National Intelligence, and, and he was meeting with all of them and basically saying, okay, this is what we think should be censored. And then he said, okay. And he went and censored it. And um, we know that there's a giant bias within those organizations because dozens of people from those organizations signed a letter as soon as this uh, story came out and they said that this Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation and they all put their their signature on it and it was turns out to be 100% true not disinformation whatsoever and we like I think just a few weeks ago the the major the mass media companies your CNNs your 
CBC, CBS's and NBC's had, had uh, confirmed it. Two years later, they confirm it. it. Just absolutely ridiculous. Yet, they will run day and night for two years talking about Russian interference in 2016 with Donald Trump, right? There's your bias. There's, and, it, and this is what people are saying. Although there's no, there's no smoking gun here. This is everything that we've ever known. Okay, I guarantee you, New York Post, New York Times, Washington, or excuse me, not New York Post, they're the ones that ran the story. The New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, NBC. How many times have we ran a story saying that, yes, this is what we knew and this is what Twitter's doing? Yeah. How many stories are those exist right. out there? Yeah. Zero. Not one. And to me, like, that has to be election interference. Like, that has to be grounds for impeachment. I got it. It doesn't connect directly to Joe Biden himself, but, like, his party was colluding with the social network. And, like, that, that's that got to be something, dude. If, if all the shit they've been trying to go after Trump for for four years was, you know, grounds for impeachment and all this shit, like, you know, maybe not January 6th. I don't know if this is quite that degree. But, like, everything else, to me, like, this is hard evidence that they colluded and and fucked with the election like his numbers biden's numbers probably would have been way they would have been smaller had this story got out to the to the general public okay i'll push back on that a couple things one by that logic then what donald trump's saying right now is a hundred percent uh legitimate and he's saying that they should completely uh uh, uh reject the election results and install him as president as the as a rightful uh, winner of the presidency and completely uh, suspend yeah, the constitution I don't know about that. or have a, 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 a revote. Well, okay, but it's the same thing that you're saying, right? Like if it's an impeachment, if there's no direct correlation, right, then there's you can't impeach anybody. Mm-hmm. You could say, yeah, this is really shady and 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 there should be a lot more transparency on this, but the collusion the collusion wasn't front and center. But like if he would have got caught like hardcore, if the Comey report and all that stuff would have found that he very obviously colluded with Russia, he would have been impeached. This is the same thing. He was impeached. But like, okay, but like it was so late. He wasn't. It was late in his term to for that. But it was late in his term where he wouldn't no, be twice. Removed. He was imper- he was imp- he was impeached two years into his term oh. for having a conversation with uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Everyone's favorite president now. Everyone forgets that's the person who got Donald Trump impeached because he had a conversation. He's like, "Oh, hey, you want military? Oh, you don't remember this? Yeah, that was Zelensky. Basically I had a conversation, a phone call with Vladimir Zelensky, uh. and he said, "Hey, if you want, uh, if you want military aid here, buddy, I'm going to need you to do. Uh, I need, I'm going to need you to fire this guy, or, or I forget what it was. It was, it was a tit for tat, fucking diplomacy. And everyone's like, "Oh, this is quid pro quo. That's impeachment. And they impeached him over a phone call. It wasn't, and it didn't go anywhere." Right. So, but, but, and by those standards, absolutely impeach, impeach, uh, uh, Joe Biden. You can impeach Joe Biden for 50 different things by those standards. Mm. But okay. So what Donald Trump's saying right now, it, it holds no legitimacy. Also, uh, in the lead up to the 2016 election, James Comey opened up an investigation very late into the election cycle on Hillary Clinton about her emails. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And Comey said basically that he just assumed that she would win or that Trump would 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 lose. In other words, I wouldn't have done it had I known that Trump would win. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, like so. So, but, you know, you could do the same thing with that story, too. Right. His timing was a little suspicious. Is he some plant of Donald? You know what I mean? I think that's the beauty of these of these United States elections is that they're final. They're constitutionally final and you can contest them and you can litigate them. But once they're ratified, they're ratified and we must move on. Even when this stuff comes out and the burden is now upon us, the electorate to go and make sure that this doesn't happen again by not allowing ourselves to be asleep at the wheel and speaking up and joining the political and joining the public conversation when we see a story by the New York Post, the oldest newspaper in circulation, print a story, and then have it get banned outright. You know, a lot more people need to speak up. You mentioned these crypto guys that are getting killed. I've heard of this. Do you know any more information on that? No, I don't know much about it other than last week, it was three of the biggest billionaires that have benefited from crypto. Uh, all like kind of like mysteriously were found dead. And then just yesterday, I read about a fourth, like one of the other top billionaires that has has been you know woke up dead mm. so I, I i don't really know i think it's probably got to do something with ftx like something in that realm like it kind of seems like they're in sync with each other with what's going on and then all these people start dying 
but I, I have no proof of that. Well, I, I, yeah, we'll have to look into that because I, I'm curious. I, I've, I've read it and I don't know to, to what extent all of this stuff is is connected, um, but it seems a little fishy. I, I do want to talk about this guy, uh, Sam Bakeman uh, Freed, though, because we, we touched on this story a little bit about FTX and Alameda, and I think by now everyone knows what's going on. I just think it's really interesting the way that he's being treated right now. Yeah. He's been going on the morning shows. Mm-hmm. And he's giving interviews on the morning show. And I, I want to break down exactly what happened here uh, and, and give just a little bit more context because I, I think it's a, a really egregious thing what's going on. There's two companies, okay? FTX. FTX is an exchange. That means you put your money in, you buy securities like cryptocurrencies, like just like you would do at a stock exchange, and you are responsible for the risk, okay? The only thing, the only way that FTX can make money in this scenario is through fees. You You trade a currency, you trade a security, and there's a fee to do that. That's how FTX makes their money. There's another company called Alameda Research. Alameda Research is a hedge fund. That means they take money and they bet that money. They put it out there, they invest it in hopes for a return. Okay. Two completely different companies. FTX cannot lose money. You can lose money on FTX, but FTX, the company cannot lose money because the only money they make is, is through fees. And that's their only revenue is fees. Okay. So they can't lose money. They can only make money. Alameda research can lose money because they take money and they invest it. And there's a risk in that. And if those investments go bad, then you lose that money. Okay. So here's what happened. Alameda research, FTX, they're owned by the same people. Alameda research puts a bunch of money into some uh, investments and they go really bad. So what do they do? They take the money that the people have invested into FTX, not FTX's money, but the, the money that people have put into FTX to trade on their own. They've taken that money and they put it into Alameda Research. Al, you have gone gambling before. I have gone gambling before. I have a sickness sometimes when I go gambling. And that is when I am down $100, $200, $300. In my mind, I think, well, I can make it back real quick. Let me just go pull some more money. And it's a terrible, terrible thing yeah. to have. That's why I try and steer clear of casinos. All right. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you've experienced the exact same phenomenon. Now think about this times 10 billion. <laughs> and this is what FTX yeah. did. They took $10 billion of people's money that wasn't theirs and they risked it again. That money was, was tied up in all of these investments that Alameda Research was investing in to hedge their bets that they've already lost. And when things went south in the crypto market, FTX's customers went to go pull out their money. It's akin to your bank saying, hey, we don't have the money that you've put into the bank because we've taken that money and we've put it somewhere else, which is what your bank does. But your money is insured at least FDIC insured up to $250,000 in a bank. When you put your money into something like FTX, it's insured by nothing. As a matter of fact, it's the most risky thing you could do. And so people did it. FTX took that money, put it into Alameda Research. It's tied up in Alameda Research. And now they owe, they owe people $10 billion. And this guy is not arrested? Yeah. I even read rumors that this could be at the core of Tom Brady's divorce because Tom wanted to aggressively invest into crypto. Yeah. And they, they tied up like $600 yeah. how, million. How egregious is that? I don't know if that's true. And, and it wasn't just, yeah, yeah, but it makes sense. Tom Brady was in a commercial. Giselle was in a commercial. Steph Curry was in the same commercial trying to get people to, to, to use FTX as a platform. They, they had their naming, naming rights on the stadium. And now he's just going around being like, oh, well, gosh, you know, we really couldn't see this coming. And he's just playing this dumb fool and, and people are eating it up and nobody's mad. Yet Elon Musk gives Matt Taibbi files from Twitter and they want to drag him through the streets. I just don't understand it. Like, where is our priorities here? This guy, this guy... I'm not, I'm not saying, I don't want to incite violence, but if an angry mob were to take this guy and drag him through the streets, tie a rope to his ankles and tie that rope to the end of a horse carriage and run him through the streets and then hang him up in the, in the center of the, of the, of the city, I wouldn't condone this, Yeah, but I'd understand it. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand it, but he's, he's, he's hiding out in the Bahamas. Hey, uh, Mr. Bakeman Freed, wh- why is, why is there a, a multi-million dollar home in your parents' name? Oh, I really didn't know that that was going down. You motherfucker. Yeah. And it's crazy, God, man. The more I you look guess. into it, his mom was Hillary Clinton's lawyer. The CEO of Almeida, dad, was SEC's chair's old boss. FTX's new CEO, John J. Ray the third, was the lawyer who like cleaned up Enron, basically. And then you got you have like outlets like New York Times. They wrote a, 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 a kind of like a puff piece about this whole story. Not once in the story did they mention fraud, Enron, because this guy's obviously tied to Enron, crime, illiquid, stolen, hidden, criminal, backdoor, 
<laughs> None of those words were used a single time in the entire article. It's it's just it's crazy, bro. Like and FTX, I, I believe I, that Sam Bankman, like they were the number two largest donor to the Democratic, like to the DNC. I believe that's correct. Yeah, there, there's a whole daisy chain there that we haven't even got into. That would probably take an entire episode just to, to just to uncover. It's crazy. That. So, so this is this is this is how it goes. Okay, Democrat, they pass and, and Republicans. The, the 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 what's his name? What's that Twitter guy's name that that publishes all the the uh, members of Congress's um, stock trades? I forget his name. The unusual whale, I think, mm. on Twitter, and he publishes their their stock trades. And I think some like 60, 70% of, of all the, the biggest earners are Republicans. So everybody's complicit in this. They pass these giant military bills to send aid to Ukraine, military aid to Ukraine. That money goes to Ukraine. Ukraine then goes and pumps a bunch of money back into FTX. And then FTX takes a bunch of money and they donate it to the Democratic National Committee. Follow the money. I'm just saying you connect the dots. I put the dots here. You connect the dots. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. Just the story just grows and grows and grows, but it's like, and then just to see like the puff pieces come out, it's like what Twitter was doing is not unique to Twitter. The shit is going on everywhere on both sides. You know, like you have a news network like Fox oh, yeah. that's doing the same shit for conservatives, but it's like, it's hard to, we talk about all the time to try to find truth in anything now. Cause it's just all fucking slanted, dude. It's just, it's ridiculous. It is. It sucks, um, and and then you get you get fraud like this just kind of going unchecked, yeah. and 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 you wonder why we're all divided. Mm -hmm. uh, Al, you're not a middle aged woman, not yet. No, no. Okay, neither am I. So we will talk about them in at length. Um, <laughs> for years, middle aged women have had some of the country's highest rates of antidepressant use. Mm. Now scientists are starting to better understand why and to develop a more targeted treatment for women's midlife depression. About one in five women or 20% of women ages 40 to 59 and nearly one in four women or 25% of women ages 60 and over used antidepressants in the last 30 days uh, during 2015 to 2018, according to the latest data from the National Center of Health Statistics. Among women aged 18 to 39, so a little bit younger, the figure was about one in 10 and among men uh, just over 8% of those ages 40 to 59 and just uh, under 13% of those uh, 16 older used antidepressants in the last 30 days. These figures are drawing increasing attention from scientists and doctors. Many are alarmed at the high uh, rate of, de of de antidepressant use uh, and the high rate of depression um, among midlife women uh, even before the pandemic. Um, in general, Women have higher rates of depression than men throughout much of their lives. According to scientific research in midlife, the risk is greatest during the years leading up to menopause and right after it. Dramatic fluctuations in hormones, hot flashes and night sweats can wreak havoc on your mood too. Scientists are working to understand just how hormones may drive depression, but receptors for estrogen and progesterone are found throughout the brain, including in regions involving movement, cognition, mood, and regulation. So, uh... Basically, they're saying more and more women are feeling depressed. At least they're being put on antidepressants. Uh, and it seems to be as they get older, they are a little bit more depressed. And it looks like they're equating this to just the fact that you have ranging hormones as you get older. Like your hormones go up and down through your different bodily functions. And doctors are speculating that uh, antidepressant use among middle-aged women is being driven in part by the reluctance of women and many of their physicians in recent decades to use hormone replacement therapy for menopausal symptoms, which is very interesting. That would be akin to you and I taking uh, using TRT, testosterone replacement therapy, uh, as we get older because we produce less testosterone, cannot build as much muscle. There are obvious uh, uh What's, what's the opposite of a benefit? Detriment? Like Obvious detriments to not having as much testosterone. Yeah. yeah, negatives. Thank you. As we get older, but it seems as though the, the solution, unsurprisingly, is a, is a, a pharmaceutical medication. Uh, I'm not saying they don't work or they don't help. We've, we've covered SSRIs on this, on this show before and how they don't treat depression. They treat receptors um, of things that make you depressed. So they're just big band-aids. Um, and we've thought for decades that they actually treated depression they don't treat depression at all they just they just they just treat the the underlying causes of, of, of depression so i just thought that was interesting that uh, a lot of women are on ssris and it seems i don't know i'm always of the of the mind that if you could do something a little more natural i don't know if hormone replacement would, would be more natural but i think so in this case 
you're just replacing the hormones that you've been losing might help. Who knows? I said, I, I would just have to think like in general, and I don't know like how far back this data goes, like how long that number has been what it is now. But I mean, we talked about this before, especially with, with females, just in general, like the age of social media and just like all of these prominent, just like celebrities these days and all this stuff where they're unattainable body images and, and all this other stuff. Like I, I could see how that would play into this early too and get people on antidepressants at a younger age, which then you kind of just stick with for the rest of your life. Cause once you start fucking with brain chemistry, it's kind of not smart to keep fucking with it. Like once you kind of get something that works, you want to stick with it. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this number start to shoot up in the younger demographics. Like I looked it up really quick and I think between the ages of 18 and 39, one in 10 women use them. And then as you're describing it, that goes up as they get older. But I would be willing to bet in the next 10, 15 years that the number we're seeing with those younger women keep going up. And it's, it's just like I kind of worry about what that does long term for brain chemistry if we just keep taking these drugs and numbing, you know, these all of these different things. Yeah, there there's the uh, like stereotype of like a middle aged white woman who's either on, on antidepressants drunk by 1 p.m. on white wine or some combination mm -hmm. of both. And, um, you know, doesn't seem like the worst time, right? Like, you could be doing a whole heck of a lot worse yeah. than that. Uh, but 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 to, to me, it seems like there's like, a, um, I don't know, like a lack, of, like something's lacking, right? Yeah, something. And, and maybe it's these hormones. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's like existential, but, but it can become that. And I, I think it's a really good conversation to have. Why are our women more and more depressed? Right. Yeah. That's a, a question I would love to have answered because I think, I think there's a, also a stereotype of like men who get depressed and then want to shield it and hide it. And I think that's a false stereotype because I think women do that very well too. I think, I think women can shield and hide their emotions and their feelings and internalize them just as well as men can. And I think it's a problem because that's, that's how things get really, really bad. That's how you begin to spiral. And that's how, you know, I don't want to take it to the most extreme, but you know, that's, that is how people, you know, take their own lives is they put it all sure. aside and they don't deal with it. And if you're using a, a you know, a, an SSRI, then it, like you said, it's a band aid, So it helps in the moment, but then when that's gone or, you know, if something really bad happens and you know, you're left at your own vices. And but I would say that like most women are more outwardly emotional they're going to a physician a psychologist somebody telling them you know hey i feel this way this is how i like women are, are just more open with a lot of that shit whereas i think more men although women do internalize and, and do that kind of thing as well i think more men are inclined to do that whereas women more open with their emotions more willing to go to the doctor and talk and yada yada and i think that's probably why you would see them be prescribed at a higher rate than men because of that openness and that 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 emotional aspect to them. Obviously, there's women that aren't as emotional and vice versa. There's men that are super emotional. But like on the whole, I, I kind of think that's a, a accurate generalization. So I, maybe that's why they're just more open about how they're feeling. And as you're describing it, maybe that Band-Aid is the best way to treat that in, in, the, in the moment for that doctor. Or maybe they're getting paid by the pharmaceutical companies and who knows? I don't know. Yeah, it would seem. It would seem. That, it would seem but that I, that's probably why. That's why I think the numbers higher is because it's talked more about, just because they're more open. And do you think that? It, I, do you think it's duplicitous for? I don't know what that word means. Us to highlight an issue. Duplicitous. I don't know what that means. Um, like hypocritical. Okay. Like hold, like hold, like holding two things at the same time and and playing both sides. Mm. Do you do you think it's hypocritical to elevate a story like this, where the obvious. The obvious message is that hormone uh, hormone replacement therapy could be better instead of using drugs. And then to come out like we have in times past about hormone replacement therapy with younger children. Do you think there's any hypocrisy involved in that whatsoever? Do not. No. Because yeah, I don't, I don't at either. that point, you're like, you're trying to replace something that was naturally lost as body chemistry goes. And, and obviously here, this has a benefit. And when you talk about doing hormone replacement with young kids who don't even know what the fuck they really want in life at all, you know, last week they wanted to be a firefighter this year, they, this week they want to be a nurse next week. They want to be a woman, like whatever, the fuck, whatever, like, you know, and, and then at that point you're altering body chemistry that can have extreme 
long-term effects that are very, very negative we're finding in a lot of studies, you know, and maybe that wasn't even truly what the kid wanted. Maybe they just wanted to feel different in the moment or whatever. Like there's so many different things that happen in the young brain. Those are pretty polar opposite to me. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I know you guys don't know this, but Al's a doctor. I'm a doctor. And he's gone to school for this stuff. <laughs> so you could take all of this to the bank. I, I will insulate yeah. myself and let you know that I, I don't know anything that I'm talking about here. Um, I'm not a doc- all, all I'm saying is I, I like we've we've seen in like uh, what is a woman like they're talking about people that have gone through this therapy saying how much it fucked them up long term and how they wish they never did this and there's tons and tons of studies coming out like the some of the the chemicals that they give these kids are, is with the same that they use to like castrate sex offenders and and different things and it's it's like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. we don't need to be doing that shit to kids. Like, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. and then when you look at the right. other side of what we're talking about, you have something that can actually like help them w- once these, these hormones and stuff are starting to decrease and it's starting to really fuck with what their body has known for so long. Okay. You know, that, that makes more sense. We're not chemically castrating people and, and fucking up, you know, a prepubescent, pubescent body, you know, that's just starting these changes. And now we're like, going to destroy the chemistry before it can even happen. Like they have to do with the same thing, but they're so polar opposite in what they are doing, you know? No, I agree with you. No, I, 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 I yeah, I was, I was just, but I, just I am not a doctor. Do not take that to the bank. <laughs> do not come <laughs> leave for any of <laughs> uh, uh, All right. Before we got here, uh, NFL picks. Can't forget. Okay. Oh yeah. Let's do that. We did pretty fucking good it. last week, Frank. We went 10 and five. Hey now. Yeah. Some, Hey now. Yeah, right. Fucking Broncos. What's though. our record? Uh, I think our record overall through like th- three weeks is like 20, I think we're like 21 and like 17. I think that sounds right. So, somewhere in there. Yeah. So we're, we pick more than we lose, but I wouldn't say that we're necessarily super good at this, but we went 10 and five this week. So that's good. Really good. That's really good. Um, yeah, man. I mean, who, who would have, who would have guessed that, uh, Lamar Jackson leaves in the first quarter, but yeah, that's tough. Uh, and that, Russell Wilson still doesn't score it's, a touchdown. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Okay, let's go through these right quick. Um, in two days, if my web page loads, we have the Raiders at the Rams, and the Raiders just had their way with the Chargers mm. last week. I mean, they just destroyed them. The Rams, I still don't think they're going to have Matt Stafford. And He's done for the year. Raiders are cut. What's they that? put Stafford on IR, so he's done for the next. Oh, he's on IR, so he's gone for the yeah. season. Okay, uh, so uh, Vegas is coming in as six point favorites, and I am inclined to take the six. So Raiders minus six. Yep. In Los Angeles, I'm with you. I'm taking it. Jets at the Bills. Ooh. Jets at the Bills, and the Bills are getting nine and a half. List or the Jets are getting nine and a half points. Listen, man, this is like every week with the Bills. The Bills are not nine and a half points better than the Jets. Give me those points all day. Jets plus nine and a half. With it. Browns at the Bengals. Cincinnati is favored by six points, and I would probably take them at nine and a half, to be honest with you. I think Cincinnati is going to wipe the floor with the Browns. The Browns won last week, but they scored three defensive touchdowns against the Texans. Um, they're not a good offense. Uh, Deshaun Watson got booed. He looks rusty. And, he looks uh, real rusty. Oh, yeah, as you might. Played, and the Bengals, right. Right, and the Bengals are looking really, really good right now. They're kind of humming. So I'll I'll spot you those six, and I'll take Cincinnati in that one. Yep. Um, hey, here's a fun one. Texans at uh, Dallas. Oh, Jesus. And the Texans are getting spotted 17 points in an NFL football game. Wow. That is wild. Um, I'm still I'm just going to go with I'm still principal Cowboys, here, and I'm going to take the Texans. Are you? Oh, I don't know, man. You thinking of the Cowboys? The, oh, dude, the Cowboys 17 points? Are you kidding me? This week, though? That's fine. It's a it's a professional football game. And I'm nobody on any given Sunday is bet it's 17 points better than another professional football team. It just doesn't happen. They're not going to win. <sighs> but it's an in-state rival. Yeah, the the Cowboys are playing good good football, but they're the Cowboys. And uh But hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So give me But if okay, so I don't remember what the spread was last week, but they were playing the Colts, which I would say is a superior team to the Texans. Now it's close. Yeah. But the Cowboys won fifty four to nineteen. Yeah, we took the Colts. No, we took the Cowboys. Oh 
Did we take Cowboys? Cowboys the I, forget, I forget what the big, it was. A big spread. I think the spread was like eleven or thirteen. To to me, seventeen. I'm points. riding this. I know it's crazy, bro. It's crazy. But if you want to, if you want to take this, I'll go with you. I'll make it the official pick. Uh, can we? Can we please? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Trust me. Right. I got you. Dallas. Dallas is starting this game with a seventeen <laughs> point disadvantage. Um, Vikings at the Lions. Hey, get this. The Lions. Two and a half point favorites at home against the Vikings. The wow. ten Vikings. Lions are playing really good football. Winners are four straight. They need to run the table to even sniff the playoffs. And I don't think they make it past the Vikings in this game. I'm taking the Vikings and the points. You're smart. You're definitely smart. But yeah, we are. Sniff- I think we're. I think we're two games back of uh, the, the wild card right now. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. We're, yeah. Somehow. Some way. Leave it to Detroit to destroy their draft pick choices by winning, you know, at the end of a season when it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Just just enough to 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 lose your draft picks and and just not enough to not make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful but purgatory there. We have in this from the Stafford trade, we have their first round pick this next year, and with how shitty the Rams are, that's going to be like a top three four pick. So good trade. Well, good for them. Yeah, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And moving on, Jaguars at the Titans. AFC South rivalry game. Mm. Titans are uh, three and a half point favorites at home. Um, and they're not like really inspiring at the moment. They, their quarterback play sucks. Um, so I, I, I don't know, three and a half points. Yeah, probably give probably. It, I don't know. The Lions just destroyed the Jaguars though. And the Lions are good, but I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's tough. Home, I don't know. This seems like a trap. My gut tells me to take the Jags. But I'm, I, I think I'm going to go Titans here. Yeah, I can see Derrick Henry having like a 200-some-yard game, two touchdowns kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you, Titans. Yeah, they're one and five away, uh, so I'll take the Titans, and I'll spot you three and a half. Eagles at the Giants. Oh, this is going to be a good one. Uh, Eagles are favored by seven points mm. in East Rutherford. That's a tough one because I think the Giants are pretty formidable, and... Um, it's a divisional game. If this wasn't a divisional game, I would say the seven points all day. But the Giants are playing pretty solid ball. The Eagles are 11-1, and one and they're just beating the piss out of everybody. They really just mollywopped the Titans. You know what? Give me the Eagles. Why not? Okay. Let's run. Run with a hot hand. Eagles, and I'll spot you seven. Um, Ravens at the Steelers. Lamar Jackson will not be playing. Pittsburgh is only favored by two and a half. I'm taking the Steelers all day in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Chiefs at the Broncos. Oh, boy. How much, how much are the Chiefs favored by? Nine points in Denver. Divisional game. The Broncos do not give up a lot of points. They just don't. Um, so nine points seems like too many. This is why I'm going to try to sway you back to the Chiefs. Uh, yes, they don't give up that many points, but the Chiefs have a good enough offense that they'll be close, you know, even if Denver has that bend but don't break kind of mentality. But the Chiefs have one of the best kickers in the league and Harrison Butker kicking at elevation, which means his balls will travel farther. I could see him having three, four field goals in this game. You know, maybe one or two touchdowns. I, I don't see Russell scoring more than one touchdown. So I, I, I see a way that the Chiefs are able to bridge that gap. Yeah, I, I, look, I'll, I'll, I'll take the Chiefs in this one. And even if they keep it close, even if it's like close with four minutes to go in the in the fourth quarter, and the Chiefs are only up by four, I can I can see a scenario where like a pick six or the Chiefs just yeah. put them away and they they win by ten. And, and the score doesn't reflect how close the game was. But but yeah, I'll I'll take the Chiefs. Um, the Buccaneers. At the Niners, mm. Niners are three and a half point favorites. The Bucks just barely the, they they screwed me over in a pick 'em pool, man. I, I had to, I picked the Saints in this one uh, in a pick 'em pool. If the Saints win, I, I come up with like I don't know, like hundred fifty bucks. Mm. Uh, and they and and Tom Brady just does what Tom Brady does. Um, Tom Brady does not do that against the Niners. <laughs> he just doesn't. I think they're going to get creamed. So I'll take the Niners and the and I'll spot you three. And a half. Who's going to be the Niners quarterback now? I heard there's rumors of Baker Mayfield going there since he got released, but now that Jimmy G's foot's broken. Oh, Brock Purdy. Is he good? I don't know much about Brock. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. I mean, he won the game last yeah. week. No, he, they lost. Did they lose? The 49ers, they covered. They beat the Dolphins 33-17, to 17, yeah. But I don't know when Jimmy got hurt or anything. I didn't watch the game. Like second quarter. Okay. Uh. It was early on. Um, so, yeah, I, I, re- I, really don't, I really don't like uh, the Bucks to, to cover three and a half. Against anybody, especially the Niners. So we're taking Niners. Um, 
Taking the Niners, despite the points. Panthers at the Hawks. Seahawks are three and a half point favorites. Um, and I'm going to take the Seahawks all day. The Panthers are winless away from Carolina. Uh, and the Seahawks, they got something good going, man. I really like the way they're playing football. Their defense is solid. So that three and a half seems a little low, to be honest. Mm. So Seahawks, I'll spot you the points. And then uh, the Dolphins at the Chargers on Sunday night. Uh, Dolphins really it looked like they were going to blow away the Niners. They, the first play of the game was like a 80 yard touchdown. Um, so, uh, I don't know what to, to make of this one, man. Uh, chargers are close every game. Three points is not, is, is, is a, a small margin. Chargers could easily win it. Uh, I, I don't know. What do you think? I, fuck, I have no idea. Not chargers. Every time we've bet for the chargers, they've lost. We <laughs> okay. won against them last week and we won. Very good. Uh, so Dolphins it is. Dolphins to cover three points. Uh, and then Monday night, Patriots at the Cardinals. Um, and New England is one-point favorites on the road. And, yeah, why not? Yeah. The Pats. It's, is, yeah. is Mac Jones playing? Do you know? I think he is. I'm pretty sure he is. Is Kyler playing? Uh, I think he is, too. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm almost positive he's playing. Uh, so yeah, Car- Car- Cardinals are in free fall, uh, and they're they're a one win team at home. Yeah, and, it looks uh, like Kyler's yeah, going to leave there, man. Not not awful. Looks there's a potential that we're going to see Kyler and Lamar Jackson on the open market next year or this off season. That's exciting. <sighs> incredible, incredible, yeah. incredible drama. Um, all right, those are our picks. Oh yeah, uh, if you get a second, win some money. Go uh, yeah. Hey, bet us. Honestly, bet us. <laughs> we're, we're doing okay. Yeah, not doing bad. <laughs> Um, if you guys get a sec, check out the links in our bio to hit the shop and pick up merch. We'd greatly appreciate it. We've got shirts, hats, sweaters, beanies, all kinds of things, underwear. Um, rep us. Help us rep the, the name. Get the name out there to other people. We can't tell you how much we appreciate that kind of stuff. It helps us grow this. You know, keep seeing those download accounts go up, and we keep growing, keep able, you know, maybe able to do this even more and more and, and get the friendship out to more people. So really appreciate it. Do that. Uh, where can they find all that awesome information and those links in the bios, Frank? Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at FriendshipNH. You can hit us up on Instagram and TikTok at Friendship News Hour. Same handle. You can send us an email. Bummerdude.media at gmail.com. Bummerdude.media at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.